Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz, and I am your host over here on the show. So today's episode is another really great one. I know I say this on every episode, but I truly believe that everyone that I talk to is spectacular, which is why I have them on the show, because I want everyone that's listening to hear from some of the smartest, most genuine people. And today is no different. Today, I got to talk to holistic nutritionist Lisa Kilgore. We talked all about the dieting hamster wheel and how this can affect us in so many ways. So if any of you are like me, you've probably been on mm, 17,000 diets throughout your life. Uh, I know for me, I've been on diets since I was as young as 16, and my cheerleading coach told me I needed to lose some weight, so she put me on a, what is it called? Um... V8 juice diet (laughs) or moving on through like, you know, I did IFYM, I did flexible dieting, which is the same thing. I did uh, Weight Watchers and then I got into the holistic side of um, medicine and then I was put on things like the AIP diet, the SIBO diet, all these different diets. So I'm not here to like tell you that your diet that you're on that your doctor told you to be isn't good for you. That's not what we're talking about. But what we did talk about was how some of these diets, even the ones we're on for health reasons, are meant to be on for a period of time, not necessarily forever. Now, obviously, if you end up having issues with a certain food, that's something different. But how can we really work with our body and know what she or he wants? So in this episode, Lisa and I really hit home on dieting culture and how it affects all of us. We talked about how can we step away from the quote-unquote guilty foods and good foods and instead step into a space of undieting. Women are powerful and beautiful, so why are we so focused on those few extra pounds? There, There's just so many amazing nuggets from this podcast episode, and I can't wait for you all to listen to it, so I'm just going to kind of jump in here. But I did want to mention that I will be doing a giveaway with her book on Instagram this week. Actually, I'm just waiting to get it in the mail. So with that, make sure that you take a peek over on Instagram and I will be doing a giveaway with her book. It's called Undieting Freedom from the Bewildering World of Fad Diets. And after you listen to this episode, I know that you're going to want her book. So if you don't want to take part in the giveaway and just want to grab it for yourself, I have all of the links in the podcast notes as well as in the blog post. So make sure that you head on over there and grab it for yourself. But without further ado, let's jump into Lisa's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz, and I'm so excited today that we're welcoming Lisa Kilgore. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited. We've kind of been chatting a little bit before <laughs> before we started, so I'm excited to let everybody else that's listening know about you. Do you mind telling the listeners a bit more about who you are and why you're on the podcast today? Sure. My name is Lisa Kilgore. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist, and I work primarily with the concept of undieting. Mm-hmm. How do you eat a healthy diet and feel good, but without these, the deprivation and the counting and the culture of dieting. And I undiet people regularly, and, and which it means I kind of, I help pull the threads of the dieting culture out of their mind. Mm. And it takes time because it's so insidious. So like most of us have been 
inside the dieting culture our entire lives. And so it's hard to even know what is, what is real and what is something I was told and taught. And so this, it's, it's a process, but it's freeing mm -hmm. and amazing and wonderful. And then you can, it brings in lots of body love and it's healing and beautiful. And it's, it's really the only way to eat, I think. How did you even like start to understand what undieting was? Like, did you have a story with it? How did it kind of affect you that you got interested in, in this? I, I grew up with a mom who was on a diet my entire life. Mm. And so I thought that dieting was what women did. Mm -hmm. And when I would turn 12, I put myself on a diet, not mm -hmm. because I thought I needed to lose weight, just because I thought I was growing up and this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And I noticed how unhealthy my relationship became with food and that as a teenager I had a mild eating disorder and by the end of my teens I was also really really sick and mm -hmm. I was very unwell for for a few years and doctors couldn't figure out what it was but I was exhausted and I was um, had this chronic cold that would tr be triggered once a week and mm -hmm. I was I, I could barely remember what day of the week it was or where I was going it was awful and over time, I became a nutritionist to heal myself. And I mm -hmm. learned what was really going on. It was a gut problem and an adrenal problem and, and a histamine problem. And that brought me to becoming a holistic nutritionist. And one of my favorite things to do is figure out the puzzle of people of like, what is it that's really going on at the core and how do mm -hmm. we change that? And through working with thousands of people, out of it came this philosophy that I called real life healthy eating, mm -hmm. and, uh, which is really undieting. And it's about um, the, the real place we want to get with a healthy diet is to understand what our body is saying and understand mm -hmm. what our body wants. And then we can create a healthy diet around that. And uh, every time these big fad diets come in, like the low carb of right now or the high fat of right now, mm -hmm. it just negates all of that information. And, and I get people after person after person struggling with this fashionable way of, of eating. Like, why, why do I crave sugar all the time on this high protein diet? I'm not supposed to. And it's like, cause your body wants carbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Like your body is probably run on carbs and that's good. And it's just not fitting in the current fashion. My body doesn't fit in the current fashion. And so over the last 13 years, I've discovered the power of undieting and also that I don't want to be a part of the fashionable food trends and the dieting culture. And, and the most powerful thing I can do for people is to help them understand that you can walk away from it mm -hmm. and still be healthy and still eat chocolate cake yeah. and have these can all be a part of a healthy life. And uh, that's what I do, why I do what I do. Yeah. I love that. I think there's so many pieces that I want to jump into with that, but I think for me and for unfortunately, tons of women that I've talked to, um, being on some sort of diet at some point in your life probably has happened to you. And it's so hard. I feel like right now intuitive eating is super, it's a super popular, um, word, I guess, or words that people use. They're like, oh yeah, I'm an intuitive eater. I'm, a, and it's always driven me crazy because I'm like, but you're just eating <laughs> like, which is great. It's great, but it's, it's awful that we have to put a term on it. And I think sometimes as someone with chronic illness, so I've been on a lot of those like crazy diets that, that are very, very strict after having disordered eating patterns. Like when I get to a point now in my life where I'm like, I, I really want to know, like, what does my body need? What doesn't it need? but I don't even know how to listen to that. So that's kind of like what you're speaking to, right? 
Exactly. And that's the trouble is that, uh, especially when you had a chronic illness and there's been ways of eating, that's been a necessary part of healthy of, of healing, mm-hmm. it can be especially hard to then start tapping in and tuning in. And we have this idea that you're either eating healthy because you're on something or you're doing bad things because you're off it. Yes. And I'd like to say that we always need to be off a diet. That's mm-hmm. just because when you're on a diet, even if it's for a healing reason, the only result is you're going to go off it eventually. And if you feel like you have to do this forever, there's going to be a lot of guilt around that. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I put somebody on something that's, that's for healing purposes, we always put an end date. This is for this amount of time. And mm-hmm. that way, you know what you're getting into, you know why you're doing it. And then we have a process afterwards of understanding what did your body like about that? What did your body not like about that? And what is the long-term solution? Mm-hmm. Because when we go on a diet, we just think with our head and we, we have to ignore our body. We have to ignore the cravings and all of those signals that are actually your body saying, wait, no, I'm out of balance. Yeah. And, but sometimes we can use, use a healing diet purposefully to learn that information. So mm-hmm. say you're feeling really terrible. So we pull out certain foods, we then add them back in one at a time and say, what does your body think about this? Mm-hmm. And sometimes your body will light up and feel fantastic. I'm like, okay, that was a food you need. Mm-hmm. And other times it's like, oh, I'm exhausted when I eat this. I'm like that's information to have. Mm-hmm. And as adults, we can, sh- we can eat anything we want, but if you know what feels good and what doesn't feel good, then you can make different choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a dairy sensitivity. I generally don't eat dairy, but if I really want it, I have it because I know exactly what's going to happen. I know mm-hmm. when I have dairy, it's probably going to trigger some inflammation and this is when it's going to hit and I decide if this food is worth it or not. And I think that's really powerful mm-hmm. because the moment I ever say I can't have something, it turns into a binge afterwards because I'm depriving myself. Mm-hmm. Instead, I, I believe that we always need to be able to say yes, and we can make that choice. And that's really undieting at its best. Mm. I love that. I think for me, um, I've been unfortunately on multiple diets my whole life from like wanting to lose weight to just um, with my health, having to be on certain elimination diets. But honestly, while I don't necessarily condone or love this diet, the one that I did best on for losing weight was actually the like what used to be popular the if it fits your macros like IIF what IIFYM whatever um be- only because if I really wanted something I could fit it so it wasn't it was less restrictive than most of the other diets I had ever been on now that also meant that I was eating you know like protein ice cream at night because I didn't hit my protein goals. So I, w- I wouldn't, <laughs> not something that I would want to do anymore. But I think it's so, I like what you said about having um, almost like a deadline on these diets. I think where I've really struggled are these where um, we're going to put you on AIP until you feel better or until, and it, but there's never like an actual deadline, which was always a struggle for me. Cause I would usually hit, I would get through the first month. I would usually hit about a month and a half. And then I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. And then like you said, the binging would come. So that like deadline or something to even go toward is really helpful. It, 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 yes, because I totally agree with you because your, your experience is very human. Every mm-hmm. single human being will go through that experience, but that's yeah. not taught to us in the diet. Therefore, mm-hmm. even though it's a, an inherent weakness in this diet, 
Mm-hmm. You feel like it, you failed when you go off it. When you add a month and a half, you're like, I can't possibly do this any longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I've noticed, and this is a very strong human pattern, is that the more willpower you have, which means the longer you can go on a very restrictive diet, like the AIP diet or any of these um, healing diets, any elimination diet, mm-hmm. the longer you binge afterwards. So yeah. I have about one week on one, something like that. And then I binge for about a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the longest I've deprived myself was the first time I went off dairy. I said, I have to go off it. It's causing all of these problems. I was a music student at the time and it was affecting my playing. I did it for four months. I used mm-hmm. every ounce of willpower I had and I binged for four years. Oh, wow. That's the extreme version because I have no willpower. Whereas most people, if I, if, when I see somebody do an elimination diet for six months, the binge is usually a year and a half. And that's takes away from the power of that elimination diet. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of learning from the AIP diet, what was working for you and what wasn't inside this timeframe that you had, which Mm -hmm. you know yourself, I have a a month and a half. So in my world, I'd say, okay, we know who you are. We know Mm -hmm. what, what your boundaries are. What learning can we do inside that boundary? So in a month and a half, you have the tools, you have the knowledge and you can move forward with it. Mm -hmm. And because most of us, even, no matter what illness we are, or chronic illness we're dealing with, doesn't need to do everything these diets do. The diets are giving it to everybody saying, these are the foods that can cause problems in people. But most of us only have one or two of them. So I mm-hmm. like to work through those foods. Let's figure out what it is. And then you have the knowledge. Like it took me, when I went off the dairy for four months, I felt so much better, but it was miserable. It was mm-hmm. unbelievably miserable. And so I was afraid to do it again for four years until I became a nutritionist and understood what was going on. And I really like got sold on the idea that I have to reduce this in my diet. I then did it over six months and I replaced things. Mm-hmm. I never said I had to go off dairy. I just said, is there something else I could do in this meal that I will like just as much? Mm-hmm. So cheese got replaced with avocado and on my sandwiches and uh, cheese got replaced by toasted almonds in my salad. And I just went one by one and found things I liked better. So when I went off dairy, I never really noticed. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I haven't really had dairy in a month yeah. because I'm not thinking about it anymore. Yes. And, and even for me though, this is 15 years later, I, 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 w- there's no reason for me to have dairy in my diet because I'm very happy with how I, how I eat. Every time I, I'm rehearsing for a concert, so I'm a, a professional musician, I play with a, a local symphony. Mm-hmm. And when I have dairy, it affects my lungs. I'm a flute player. And so for the time that I'm practicing for a concert, which is three or four weeks, I, I need to go off dairy. Mm-hmm. That is the only time I care. It's mm-hmm. in those moments where it's a big, I can't, that that's all I can think about. It's like, I want cheese slathered on everything. <laughs> and, uh, and so I actually developed this habit that on the last concert of the series, I would pick up a bag of cheese popcorn before the uh, last concert and I'd eat it on my way home. And I don't care about cheese popcorn. The only time I eat it is after concerts. <laughs> and it's because I've been depriving myself. And mm-hmm. it's just... It just doesn't work. And when we can make changes without willpower, without this like rational brain kicking in and saying, this is what I have to do. If we can do it gentler and with our body in charge, it's easy. It's Mm -hmm. actually easy and you feel better and you're adding foods instead of taking them out, which just squishes out those foods that you don't want to do. That's what I did with dairy is I squished it out of my diet and there's power in that. And there's also 
this feeling like, you know, I can do this and I understand why. Mm -hmm. And the more you understand what your body is saying and what your body's language is. So it talks in cravings and symptoms and Mm -hmm. energy and all of, all of these like quiet little symptoms, sometimes, sometimes loud symptoms. Mm -hmm. The more you understand that, the less powerful the dieting industry is. When the keto diet got popular, I didn't even consider it. Mm. Even though I'm 43 and over 40, like weight, my metabolism isn't quite as fast as it used to be. And when I gain a few pounds, even I go, whoa, what's going on here? But I know that my body's not going to like that because my body's fueled with carbs and to go on a low carb diet just doesn't work. And so it wasn't even this thing of like, oh, maybe I should do this. It was more like, no, 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 that's totally not going to work for me. Mm. And that being able to walk away from commercials and dieting books and all of those outside inputs that are, that create judgment and guilt and frustration, you get to bring happiness and pleasure and joy into your food again. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. I, there, I just like connect on so many, so many sides of that. Well, first of all, I used to be a fluid player as well. (laughs) I actually just got my flute uh, like a few months ago from my mom that I'm going to try to like reteach myself how to do it. So I just had to bring that up. Oh, I love that. (laughs) But um, I think when you were talking about that, like binge afterwards um, of doing something like that, it's so interesting because that spoke to me in a way that I didn't even know because I definitely went through that. And I think I'm just coming out of that with some of these, you know, I was put on um, a low FODMAP diet because they thought I had SIBO. I was put on AIP a few times. I was put on um, a SIBO specific low FODMAP diet, which was even more strict. And then, um, and then I started with a new practitioner who was all about keto for thyroid issues. And it got to the point where I, I just stopped listening to her advice because I couldn't do a diet anymore. And then I went the exact opposite besides not eating gluten. Um, I ate everything else. I w- and I don't even love dairy, which everybody from my home of Wisconsin would think that I'm crazy, but I, I don't even love dairy, but I started like craving ice cream. I started craving all these like complex, like not complex, but like, you know, just not great carbs for you all the time or all these things that I really wasn't craving before, but then I couldn't stop. And it was months of like trying to, and I still struggle with that a little bit. So, so that really spoke to me. I think that that happens a lot more than, than people think, especially when you're put on these diets, nobody's really thinking about like, what's going to happen after this. Yeah. And, and you are just being human. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a human trait. And I think maybe as a nutritionist, because I'll see people after they've done that saying, I don't know what to do now that I just see it in every single person who's ever been on a restrictive diet is that, especially if you're in a dieting, um, hamster wheel of going on and off different diets, you're either binging or you're dieting, you're binging or you're dieting, you're either being good in quotation marks, or you're being bad in quotation marks. And you're neither you're human. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to stop labeling foods and we have to stop denying ourselves of food. The easiest way to dive headfirst into a bag of cookies is to say no to it a whole bunch of times. But if you say yes, when you want a cookie and you sit and enjoy it, like I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of when you want something like a cookie, 
I want you to eat and enjoy every single bite of it. I want you to fully choose that you're going to have it and really love it. Because when you do that, you satisfy that craving and you tell your body, I heard you. I hear you wanted this. I don't know why you wanted this, but you did. And here it is. But if you, if your body keeps asking for it and you keep saying no, and you keep saying no, and you, and you're using willpower, your body's going to choose a moment frequently in the evening after a really long day and you're exhausted and you just sit on the couch and you take a deep breath and you're like, Oh, that's when your body's like, Oh, this is the moment. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you haven't eaten enough. You haven't had enough carbs. You haven't, you haven't feeding me what I want. There's been no, nothing pleasurable in your life for months. Go to the cupboard. You know where they are. Mm-hmm. Go get the cookies and the bag is gone now. Mm-hmm. And it's their body winning. Your body always wins. Your body will always fix the problem. It's just, how do you want it to be fixed? Mm-hmm. And if you have a body that's run on carbohydrates and mine is one of them, and I take out sweet potatoes and squashes and car- and grains and all of these healthy carbs, my body's going to ask me for cookies all the time. Yeah. But if I have them in my diet, I then have a cookie once in a while. And it's just like, cause I still like them. They're still really delicious, but they're not something that sits on my shoulder screaming at me all the time. And I, therefore I can have it with enjoyment and pleasure. And that's sometimes all your body wanted. Your body wanted you to like something you eat for a moment. And that's where some of that binging comes from. And it's, it, it's, it's, we've put ourselves in our, the culture of dieting has put us all, especially women, but men are joining in now too, in this really difficult place where we're always eating with guilt or frustration. We're either eating something we don't want to eat or we're eating it out guilty. Like I shouldn't be eating this. And I hate the word should, Mm -hmm. uh, we should all, all over ourselves all the time. And it's such a judgment. And, uh, I want, I try to take, I want to take judgment out of my client's head, but let's get rid of that because it's just, just your rational brain trying to take charge when your body already knows we just have to learn how to listen. Yeah. It's right at the end. You said that about guilt. And I was actually going to ask you that because I feel like where does this guilt come from? Is it this diet culture that's kind of ingrained in all of this us? Because I feel like I just hear it on so many levels, like, you know, people that need to gain weight, they feel guilty that they can't do it or that their body isn't the way that it should be. Or people who have chronic illness or something like there's always guilt tied with it, which then just like gets even worse once they, like you said, eat something that they shouldn't have. So where does, why are we, why do we all feel so guilty about this? <laughs> I think it, I think dieting culture is, is quietly putting these thoughts and words in our head right from our a childhood. Um, we have um, guilty foods or bad foods and good foods. We have the sinful pleasure, the guilty pleasure. And we're, I think we're taught by generations. Like I think I was taught by my mom to diet and that's not, that wasn't her plan at all. Yeah. Like she wanted me to be healthy yeah. and, and she wanted to be healthy. That's why she was following these diets. And it's, we have multiple generations now where this is, this is happening so quietly and undercover that we don't necessarily know mm-hmm. what's going on because we have two pressures coming. We have um, food companies who mm-hmm. are going out of their way to get their stomach share is what they call it. And that is how much of their food lands in stomachs. There's mm-hmm. a finite amount of space. And so they're doing everything they can to entice you to eat more. 
between food commercials and the packaging covers, but also they, they manufacture them to be addictive. They manufacture potato chips and crackers to have this perfect crunch. Mm -hmm. So that way you eat more. They manufacture the flavoring. So they, they hit this very deep innate, uh, trigger where our, our body take, thinks that strong flavors equal high nutrients. So something mm. like Doritos, which have no uh, nutrients, um, are, but the flavor is so powerful that we keep eating it because our body's like, where's the nutrients? Come on, keep <laughs> eating it. There's no nutrients here. So we have this side coming to us where we have foods that are like, and high fructose corn syrup that's manufactured to create blood sugar issues and, and um, can trigger weight gain. And then we have the dieting culture telling you, if you were just stronger, you would be healthy. Mm -hmm. Follow my path and I will teach you how. And that path is difficult and is not taking into, into account that you're a human being and that you have all of these other pressures. And so that way, so what, we've, what we, we learn in that is that it's our fault that we couldn't say no to all this food, even though they're working on a psychological level to make us eat it. And then when we, can't be a healthy weight or eat a healthier diet it's entirely our fault because mm -hmm. there's not a single diet that will take into account their own weakness you, you never see a dieting expert say well you know but if you have this <laughs> type of uh, body or the, your your constitution is like this this isn't really going to work for you it's always like nope just keep trying it's going to work it's going to work it's going to work and that's where we're at right now. And what I'm watching though is more and more people and nutritionists and dietitians and um, the food cult or the health expert culture shifting. And there's more of us saying, you know, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, I've said this right from the beginning that I'm a nutritionist because there's a problem with our knowledge of food and I love what I do, but I get that I am, a, that I'm only in this, I, can, I only have a job because there's all this other stuff. And honestly, if we all stop needing nutritionists and health experts, I'd be really happy. Mm -hmm. Even though I, d I wouldn't be able to get to do this work I really love doing, I, it would just be, a, we'd be in a better place and, and women could I would love to see what the world could be like if women weren't distracting, getting so distracted by those few extra pounds. Yeah. I find every time I gain a few pounds, it takes up so much mental space. And it's like, why is this? This is, this is insane. And I don't know why. And, and, but that's, we're all feeling that right now. And it's, and it makes me really sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, in fact, I saw an Instagram story this morning of a woman who is pregnant and she said the only time in her life as a woman that she's felt like it's okay to eat what she wants is when she was pregnant. Then everybody was like, yes, have more mashed potatoes, have more pasta, have more cookies. But then she's like, but then when I can't lose the baby weight or it's not just belly, then I should watch what I eat. So she's like, it's still not perfect. There's still this, like, especially for women, I know it happens to men too, but especially for women that like, it's just, it has to be a focus all the time. Absolutely. And, and we start this so young, mm -hmm. most teenagers walk out of that, their teen years with some sort of disordered eating. And I would, I would argue that a lot of what we're, this dieting hamster wheel is still in that, that disordered eating state. And I would just, I, I would love for us to just feel like we can eat whatever we want. And 
it's because it's so hard. Um, I spent most of my 20s underweight and people commented all the time. And it drove me crazy because I don't see why weight should be any conversation. And now in my 40s, it's like, oh, now people are going to start talking that I have a few extra pounds now. I'm like, maybe not. Like, why, why, why would they? Why, do, why would they care? And but I think we just internalize this outward image of ourselves so much that it's it, it becomes such a big conversation in our heads. Yeah. And it's tied up in a lot of our self-worth too, I think. I know that that's something that I've personally struggled with. In fact, I think I just talked about this on Instagram. <laughs> I don't even know, but, um, but just like this focus of like, if I don't look good, if I'm not, you know, the weight that my body feels best at, then I'm not worthy of happiness, of love. It can go really deep for some people. Um, and sometimes you don't even notice. Like I, I happen to be unfortunately and fortunately very self-aware. So I catch that I'm doing that, but it doesn't make it go away. And I think that for so many women, it's wrapped in their worth as well. Absolutely. I, and I feel the same way. And, and that, that some, when I gain these couple extra pounds, the first thoughts are, well, will my partner still find me attractive? Mm -hmm. And like, that's the only, my outward appearance is the only part thing that he finds attractive in me. And, and I, like you, I catch my, my, that, those thoughts and I'm like, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. But I think it is innate part of, of women culture. So what can we do about this other than talk about it and have conversations and bring it to light? And, and see ourselves with more than just our, our appearance as being our worth, because we also are smart and we have big hearts and we do good work. And why is that not as powerful as what our body shape is? Because our body shape is so subjective. And mm -hmm. just right now, it's, it's being underweight is what is seen as being the right weight which is unhealthy yeah but 100 years ago it, or 150 years ago it was at, it was being overweight and even just in the 19 early 1900s um, products were being sold to women to put weight on so you weren't mm -hmm. just the skinny mini and so it's how how did our self-worth as women get wrapped up into what's fashionable right now and that drives me crazy and I don't have an answer for it I just mm -hmm. I think we need to talk about it more often as a as a group is all yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the only way like for for more women to understand that this is the way that other people, other women think as well, that you're not the only one that when you walk past a mirror and you feel bad about yourself that tons of other women are doing that as well or they like you said they think, "Oh my gosh, my husband's not going to think that I'm I'm you know pretty enough or I'm attractive enough anymore because of, you know, the 10 extra pounds I gained in the last year or something like that. And, and just noticing that those are thoughts that other people are having too. I think, well, it can't get rid of it necessarily. It can at least provide this awareness that it's not just you and you're not alone. Yeah. What, uh, this reminds me of a story a friend of mine told me a little while ago and she, she, uh, she's on a medication she needs to be okay like to be able to function in the world mm -hmm. and but that that medication has caused some weight gain and her and her husband and and she's very self-conscious about it and her and her husband were, were watching a documentary about the 1700s 1800s and it's all these paintings with these beautiful women with that were much larger than what we see as beauty right now and she said to her husband like why is it that why can't I live then 
Mm. Like when, when my body shape would be seen as beautiful and his answer, like it, it still brings tears when I hear his, when I, when she told me her answer is that he said, well, why don't we get a bunch of these photos and put them up around the house so you can see how beautiful you are. Mm. And it was just like, it was so touching that he would, that, that he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. That's, that this is this is taking up mental space for her, and he's seeing her as beautiful as these women in the, in the photos. And I think I think a lot of men are seeing us as absolutely beautiful for who we are, especially when we can stand in who we are and just say like, "This is me." I think that's unbelievably beautiful. Mm-hmm. But there's this culture, and and Instagram drives me crazy for it because Instagram culture really um, has this perfection side to it is trying to make us live in fear and guilt for just being and looking how we do. And yeah, I, I, I like that there's a shift. I feel the shift happening right now and I'm glad it's here. It can't come fast enough, but I still think we have a lot of work to do to get there. Mm-hmm. How does the way that you work with people and undieting and in your book, how does this kind of help with this, this mindset that people have? Well, and that, that's the interesting part because a lot of people come to see me because they want to lose weight and, uh, but they come to see me because they want to lose weight, not on a diet. So yeah. I, I, I take that nugget and I'm like, okay, so let's do this. <laughs> and, um, and I'm working with this wonderful woman, um, right now that who's been on countless diets for about 20 or 30 years. And, um, she's, we're all in, she's wonderful. And she's eating, like, she's like, I have never felt so, so good. I, I feel clean. I feel healthy. I have energy, but why isn't the scale moving enough? And I'm like, well, but it is. Can, can we sit in that? Can we say that your body is finding some balance even while you don't feel like you're starving yourself? And she's like, oh yeah, that's true. And through the process weight loss can happen and frequently happens because what are when we start nourishing ourselves our body finds some balance but i don't feel like that that should be the end goal or the main goal even it's mm-hmm. it, it's how do you feel do you feel good do you have energy do you do does your mind feel clear do you enjoy what's going on do you like what you're eating and so through the process, I watch these light bulbs come on for a lot of women of like, I'm pretty okay exactly the way I am. And they let the process happen because the truth is, is the only long-term weight loss I have ever seen in clients are ones who never went on a diet. They're, they're like, this is, this is how I live and um, I like what I eat and this feels good. And they, if, if and when the weight, weight moves, it stays off. And research is finding that 95, 80 to 95% of people who go on a diet um, will gain back the weight that they lost. And that that instability of your weight is more unhealthy than just staying exactly where you are right now. Mm. And, and so if we can bring in some love for our body exactly the way it is right now, and then find nourishment and bring in these foods that just feel good to eat, the body will find its own balance. And sometimes what we want is to be the weight we were in high school. And I'm sorry, that's just not possible. Like you're a woman now yeah. and you're not a teenager. <laughs> and this idea that your stomach has to be perfectly flat. is like, but stomachs were never meant to be perfectly flat. And, mm-hmm. and we're a woman. We're supposed to have like a higher body fat percentage than men are. And we're not supposed to have abs. And mm-hmm. 
it's it, like, we're not supposed to see our abs and we need to bring in some reality here. And so what I, I, I do as best as I can is I support women through that process of feeding and nourishing themselves and when they feel better and have more energy and can think clearly, then they can start seeing their body for what it is. And, and I liked, and I say this even in the book, it's like weight loss may or may not happen. And, mm -hmm. and can we be okay with that? Cause your body loves you exactly the way you are right now. And and I'm, I, I hope that over time, more and more people will come to me just wanting, I just want to eat healthy. And I do have a, a good percentage that just do that. But so many are still coming like, and I want to lose 30 pounds. Yeah. I want to be healthy and I want to lose. And it's like, okay, okay, let's yeah. see what, let's, let's, let's dive in. That's so interesting. I think because I'm, I'm that woman currently with, um, you know, in the last year, very quickly, my body put on 30 pounds. I'm very short. So it is noticeable. It's not, not even, I mean, it's noticeable physically, like how I look, I, I'm dealing with the, that side of things, but then there's also the side of like, I don't feel well, like my joints hurt because I'm carrying too much weight. I don't feel like I have, um, the same amount of energy to maybe like work out or going for a walk is harder than it was 30 pounds ago. So where is that kind of fine line? Because personally, and maybe it is totally mindset for me after what you're saying, I, I get what you're saying, but like, where is it when for me, I feel like in order to be healthy, I have to lose weight because it doesn't feel right on my body, but kind of like what you're talking about, it's like, that's the, where the mindset shift kind of needs to happen, huh? Yeah, because what I would say is, what if it was you want to feel healthy and maybe with that you'll lose some weight instead mm -hmm. of this idea that the weight is what's causing the joints. Maybe it's inflammation in your body. Maybe yeah. you're holding on to water. Like maybe there's, there's an imbalance happening. That. So my question for you is, is if you simply didn't, if, if you had more energy and a clear head and your joints felt better and you felt fantastic, mm -hmm. would the weight matter as much to you? I think currently, yes, because yeah. it is still, mm -hmm. it is still like, um, like the mental worth thing is like where, but that's where that other side of the work with you and just like working in general through that, that kind of helps. But, but yeah, you're totally right. Cause I think I started saying, I want to lose weight to be healthy because it made me feel less bad than being like, I want to lose weight because I want to wear the dress I used to be able to wear that I can't wear anymore <laughs> versus yeah. just going to the store and buying a bigger size of that dress. Right. So exactly. it's like, it's intellectually, I know, <laughs> I know that it's there, but it's because it's so wound up. It's so, it's so hard. And I think too, um, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like when I've talked about this on the podcast and on Instagram or YouTube that those of us with chronic illness, sometimes weight can be a focus in the, are you healthy or not range? Meaning that like, sometimes when you work with a doctor or nutritionist, they are trying to like focus on weight. And then I think that kind of gets up in your head too. Like, oh, I have Hashimoto's, like I can't lose weight. I can't lose weight. I can't lose weight no matter what I do. And then it, that becomes a focus of like, oh, my Hashimoto's is bad if I can't lose weight versus like, kind of what we're talking about here. 
Yeah, and, and it, it's really hard because, so, so most of us when we go to the doctor, um, our body mass index, our BMI is on the top of the chart. And your doctor, if you are in the overweight or obese category, your body, your doctor will talk about it and tell you, you need to lose weight. And so is it okay if I dive into a bit of politics around the BMI? Because yeah. I find that this is, feels a lot more freeing when we know the reality behind it. So first of all, um, so the BMI that's considered healthy weight is between 20 and 25, overweight is 25 to 30, and over 30 is obese. In 1998, in 1997, the healthy weight category went to 27 and a half. So half of where the um, overweight category was still considered healthy weight. So if you're between 25 and 27 and a half, you are still considered perfectly healthy weight. Then a com committee got together from the U.S. government and to look at is the BMI in the right place. And um, out of the nine members, seven of them were attached to uh, weight loss in the weight loss industry. And the chairman was uh, attached to both diet drugs as well as Weight Watchers. And unsurprisingly, <laughs> they decided that 27 and a half was too high. It needs to go down to 25. And in that day um, that that changed, uh, 30 million Americans became put in the overweight category overnight. Um, oh one of the people, there's only one person who voted against it and she was an obesity researcher and she, she came out and said, I think this is 100% wrong. I feel that industry pressure and flawed science decided this and I don't agree with it. And so we're now 20 years later and research has found that people in the overweight category, 25 to 30, have a lower morbidity rate. They have a lower risk of death than people mm. in the healthy weight range. Wow. So we now know that the healthy weight range isn't necessarily the healthiest place to be, that maybe that overweight range is better. Being underweight, so under 20, is significantly worse than being over 30. So being underweight, which is where models sit, like mm -hmm. models sit around 18, 19. I've been there. It's really unhealthy. It feels awful. You're cold mm -hmm. all the time. is <laughs> worse for your health than being over 30. Um, and this was all based on politics. So it's not based on science. Yeah. It's based on politics. And so first of all, like where does your body want to sit? And when, if you've put on 30 pounds quickly, your body probably doesn't want it either. And yeah. <laughs> so by, by finding some balance, your body's just going to be like, yeah, let's like, yeah, we are holding a bit extra. Like I didn't try, cause you, you've been on so many uh, deprivation diets. Your body's like, I didn't trust you. I, I, I yeah. thought you were going to starve me again. I was just holding on for later. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, if you start feeding me regularly, I will, I will drop this off. Um, and because that's what our bodies are, are, very skilled to stop a famine, yes. but have never had to deal with the amount of food we have now. So anytime we, we uh, go on a calorie low diet, um, our body's just like, oh no, oh no, oh no, and slows your metabolism down, slows down all it, like it does everything it do can to stop the weight loss. And then when you start eating again, it's like, yay, that yeah. is over. <laughs> like, yeah, like, keep all this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what I find, what I see happen is when we start nourishing ourselves and feeling and eating and eating a way that our body wants. And so for your body is probably having some regular carbs because mm -hmm. so many diets you've been on have, have um, taken out even the healthy carbs for a reason. Like there was a reason yeah. for it. 
um, then your body's like, oh, okay, you're, you're giving me the energy I need. Um, and then you, you, you'll, you'll, you frequently can watch your body get back into the balance it wants to be in. And mm. which again, probably isn't where you were in high school, but yeah. probably closer to where you were um, before this, this fast weight gain happened. And it's like, that's where our body really wants to sit is in this happy, happy place. And it's, we're fighting against it a lot is the problem. Yeah. And that, and that totally makes sense of like, you know, I need, I need to give my body some space to trust me again, like to trust that I'm, I'm not going to restrict. I'm not going to, you know, take away favorites. I'm not going to force food. The the worst for me, honestly, is forcing food. I hate eating, but I feel like I have to. (laughs) So, you know, like when I was doing keto, I'm like, I don't like this much meat. Like, I don't care how it makes me feel. I don't want to eat it. It's, yeah. I don't want to chew it anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so just like things like that, you know, I, I totally, and that makes sense. I feel like intuitively I've felt like, I've almost felt like this weight is like a protection from just stress in general, but then just like also kind of protecting from my own self of like, yeah. No, you've taken too much away. We need to like hold this for a while until we know you're not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and weight frequently is protection. It can be emotional protection. It can mm-hmm. be a stress protection. It can be a, you've starved me a lot protection. Yeah. And, and your body wants to trust you. Uh, that's the thing is our body is, our body always wins and it loves, our body loves us. It's our, it's our best friend, not our enemy. And dieting culture says your body's your enemy. You need to force it to do something. Yeah. Whereas I, I've seen the power of, of embracing it and saying, okay, body, what do you want? What mm. do you like? And what's really cool is when you start tapping in, when you stop eating the food you hate eating, like that was a good, like your body, your body was sending that signal. Yeah. But instead start eating and noticing when we can get out of our head and just say what feels good, you like literally light up when you eat something and it's like, oh yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sweet craver, I'm, I, my body runs on carbs, but I've noticed over time that my body prefers healthier carbs. Like they light up more than like a cookie from a coffee shop. Yeah. I'll buy one. I'm out on the road, but I don't like, like it, it, it tastes good for a bite, but it doesn't taste good if I eat the whole thing. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I've turned into that obnoxious person who eats a cookie over two days. But when I make <laughs> black bean brownies, every single bite is like, Oh my God, this is so good. Cause it's yeah. all the nutrients my body wants in a form chocolate that, that my body is looking for and that we can use our cravings as a guide to what is it that our body wants. And in my book, I have a whole chapter that I go through what each craving can mean. Mm-hmm. And so you can help start understanding what it is that your body is trying to say, because your body always wins yeah. and it wants you to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we've kind of popped around in a lot of it. A lot of what we talked about today is in your book, but do you want to kind of talk about your book more and like who this is good for? I know I'm going to get one, <laughs> but like who, who is this good for? So, so the book's title is Undieting, Freedom from the Bewildering World of Fad Dieting. And mm-hmm. so it's bro- broken up into three parts. The first part is a bit uh, like some basic nutri- nutrition. What are macros? Um, and I talk about that because I think we've forgotten what carbs are and how yeah. important they are. So the beginning yeah. of the macro chapter is about carbs, but also <laughs> fat. We forget about how important that is. And yeah. um, 
how to find healthy foods um, and get into whole foods and why does why to ignore food labeling especially if it's yelling at you that it's healthy um, and then in part two I get into food politics um, so we got it I get into why dieting doesn't work and fad dieting through the ages um, and we kind of I love food politics and I was really glad that the publisher let me dive into that because it's my kind of my favorite topic yeah and then the third part which is actually half of the book is your body's language and it's about uh, it's five chapters and I break down like um, how to learn what your body wants so the first chapter is um, how not to use willpower how to create change how to how to un start understanding that and then we get into to cravings and your digestion and, and um, your energy and we, t we a bit on low thyroid and adrenal fatigue mm. and then the last chapter is about bringing pleasure and enjoyment back like how do we when we've been told that everything you would like eating is bad for you how do you then enjoy food again and mm. how important it is is to actually enjoy your food again mm -hmm. and the truth is is that the more pleasure you get out of food the more you innately get drawn to whole food because if you sit and chew food it tastes better when it's whole food fast food was meant to be eaten quickly and just gulp down as these powerful flavors that hit you at once but doesn't taste good if you eat it slowly but if you eat uh, and so just by bringing um, intention intuitive eating um, but more more just like pleasurable eating mm -hmm. instead of think because a lot of women are like but if I liked all my food I just eat chocolate cake I'm like no you won't actually if you really enjoy it you'll eat yeah. some chocolate cake there's no question but you'll also eat other foods because you'll notice how powerful the flavors are and how good you feel. And it's, it's about whatever you choose to eat and what, however you choose to eat it, looking at, at how did you feel afterwards? What did it make you feel? And just without guilt, without judgment, just connecting them back and forth and saying, when I eat this, I feel this way. When I eat that, I feel that way. Mm -hmm. And um, so it brings you all the way through. Um, and right now I have some um, pre-order bonuses because um, my, my book is coming out at the end of September, mm -hmm. uh, but they're going to continue for a little while after the end of September. So if you're getting it after that, it's okay. And part of it is an online course that you get immediate access to um, that takes you into undieting in real life. Because afterwards, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, but is this enough for people to be able to go into their life? And yeah. so I created a course specifically to help you and guide you through. So, so you, you'll get access to that. Um, you'll also get access if you order on the book online and um, you'll get the cravings chapter sent to you right away. So that way you can start that uh, process right away. And that, that's just available on my website. Got it. So is the best way to pre-order via your website? So if you go to um, lisakilgore.com for, forward slash undieting dash bonuses, you'll get links to where you can order it online. Okay. So it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, in Canada on Chapters Indigo. And then you just take, then, then on that page, um, there, you just take your receipt number and you pop it in and you get immediately sent all the links to get everything. Oh, cool. I love that. I'll have all the links in the show notes so people can click Great. those too if they want. But um, how, so if someone, you know, wanted to get your book, but then also was interested in even taking it further of working with you or connecting with you online, what, how would, what would be the best way to do that? How do you work with people? 
So um, with the pandemic, I'm doing just online appointments and uh, on my website, you can, um, there's a work with me button and I do one-on-one uh, -on -one appointments. We start with an hour and a half and like dive in because I want to know everything about you because you're not just this one symptom. You are a collection like Jesse, you are more than just Hashimoto's. You mm -hmm. are a person who has had these experiences that have done this, these different diets that have gotten this information. And so I, I'm, I love a puzzle. I love a really good puzzle. And so learning as much as I can of you lets me find like over, over the course of the hour and a half, I usually what pops out is this like one thing that this place to start. Mm. And so that's where uh, then I send you the recommendations and then we do follow-ups as needed. I have a three appointment package as well. And for those of you in this U S cause I'm Canadian, um, all of my prices are in Canadian that are on my site, which is about 30% less yeah. than what you'll do. You'll be charged. So your credit card when you when you pay will be about thirty percent less than the numbers that are listed. I just I, most of my clients are Canadian, so I want them to use the uh, uh, currency they're used to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's always like, I mean, it's great for us, and yeah. <laughs> you know, we go into it thinking we're paying one thing, and then they charge us less, and it's great. But exactly, not, sure, not so sure how it is for you. But um, but yeah, I love that. That's such a good. And are you on social media at all? If people wanted to follow you there. Yes. So on uh, Facebook, I'm Lisa Kilgore Nutritionist. On Instagram, I'm at lisa.kilgore.nutritionist. Cool. I'm more active on Facebook than Instagram, but uh, you can find me on both. Perfect. Um, so one other question, I love asking this for every person that I talk to, just because a lot of times it, it ends up being similar <laughs> for a lot of people, but what are, or not similar, but it's just interesting to hear what people do. And I think that um, others can connect with this. So what are some of your favorite personal like rituals or routines that you do that help you feel your best? Ah, that's a great question. So one of my favorite things, and I like to talk about it because it's always good to tell for a nutritionist to talk about these kind of habits is that most of my breakfasts include dessert. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, and I'll explain what the dessert is in a second, but one of the reasons I do this is because I'm a sugar craver. And when I give my body something sweet in the morning, it's like this trust that I've listened to it right away. Okay. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't do it every day. I do it when I feel the draw to it. And so sometimes it'll be a square of dark chocolate. Sometimes it'll be a, if I've made a batch of black bean brownies, it's always a brownie. Um, sometimes it's a little bit of homemade jam on my toast as something sweet. And I just find that when I do that, my sugar cravings for the rest of the, the day are low. Mm. And a lot of us have a lot of willpower when we wake up in the morning. So having that, and in quotation marks, perfect breakfast and lunch are really easy. And, and, but our body might not be happy in those with those and, and makes up for it with evening eating. So if you find yourself like really full of cravings in the evening, chances are your breakfast and lunch were too small or you weren't balanced mm. in the right way. And so I, I take the, the, that willpower off the table right in the first thing in the morning as I, I have my favorite breakfast and then I grab a square of dark chocolate or I have a, grab a black bean brownie and it really makes a difference and it adds that trust between me and my body of, yeah, I heard you. Um, I don't need a whole chocolate bar at first thing in the morning, but that one square really makes a difference. And then the other thing I do is I prioritize sleep. Mm -hmm. 
um, sleep. I don't have kids. So I, so all you mothers, like keep that in mind when I say yeah. this, I, I don't actually have young children that aren't letting me sleep. Um, <laughs> but I make sure that um, I feel best if I'm sleeping by 10. And so around 930, I'm usually reading in bed. And my partner even like uh, uh, the other day, it was like a Friday or Saturday and he was going out and he was like, yeah, you're going to be in bed at 10. I'm like, no, I'm going to party. And he's like, no, you're going to be in a bed at 10. <laughs> well, one of my friends goes to bed at 830 and we get to, we have dinner when we get together for yeah. dinner, we get together at five. It's great. <laughs> um, but it's just, uh, when I sleep, I feel better the next day. And if mm -hmm. I go to bed, if I go to bed at 11 or at 12, I just don't feel great. And so therefore as much as I can, whenever possible, I, 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 do that for myself, no matter what's going on in my life, is that I, I always have a good book I'm reading and I'm in bed, bed around 9, 9.30, quarter to 10. Yeah. I love that. Sleep is definitely one that, that pops up for a lot of people, I think. And it, um, yeah, it can just play into to so much. It's so important. And until for me, like I went so many years thinking that I was a good sleeper. And then when I started focusing on it and I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm not. <laughs> like yeah. I feel much better now. <laughs> so it, that totally makes sense. But I love those, especially the the um the dessert for breakfast or with your breakfast after your breakfast i think that's interesting my husband is like i'm much more of like a spicy like if i could eat indian food every day i would be happy um but he loves sweets so like that would be interesting for him i'm sure <laughs> Absolutely. And, and our flavor preferences um, is, are, is a great beginning of that language of your body. It's like your body likes spice. Interesting. Yeah. There's some good stuff and spices for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can find it. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's usually at Indian takeout, but you know, <laughs> I can find it other places too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? The one thing that I'd like to leave everybody with is the power that you have, um, that you don't need to, over, you don't need to overpower your body. We need to embrace it. And that even the smallest little change can make a huge difference. And so if you're staring down, if you're thinking like, my diet is atrocious, I feel terrible all the time. I need to make this dramatic change to feel better you don't, it can be just one little change. And, and in the intro in my book, I tell you my story, which was my diet was atrocious. I ate garbage. I felt awful. And it was one, the very first thing I did turn my brain back on and that my diet changed slowly over the course of six or seven years. And that's mm. the time it took. And because of that, I never went backwards. I just did it slowly over time and that that's okay. Yeah. And that if all today you do is eat an apple that you didn't eat yesterday, that your body's going to light up and say, thank you. That felt good. Mm -hmm. What else? And then just, just let that process go really slowly and, and embracing your body is the easiest way to create change. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a good, such a good piece to end with, but thank you so much for being on today. I'm so excited for everybody to hear about this and, um, and get your book and I'm sure everybody is going to love it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on, Jesse. Of course.